Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. They'll definitely tell you you know, you get to know your dog. Most dogs do know whether this is a fatal shot or not. And they will tell you that. But, you know, they tell me that 200 yards from the start of this unknown, the hunter's gonna think I'm nuts. Right. So, both of my dogs now, I will, I already know, and I'll, they'll look at me or they'll give me the heads up and I'll say, well, let's keep going. So they'll continue to track until I say no. And welcome to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 118, How to Train Your New Blood Tracking Dog. Now, this week, Susan Edwards returns for a conversation with me. If you remember from her first uh, appearance on the show back in episode number 59, The Benefits of Blood Tracking Dogs. Uh, Susan's a member of the United Blood Trackers, which is an organization dedicated to helping hunters find their lost game with the use of dogs. Uh, And, you know, in that episode, we talked about, you know, her two beagles, uh, how she uses them to help hunters in Pennsylvania find deer and bear after they've been shot and, you know, people can't find them. Uh, we talked about how they work, why it's an important tool, you know, some do's and don'ts before you call someone to bring in the dogs. Now, this week, though, we're going to focus on how to train those dogs, which really we probably should have done first. But that's okay. We got you interested. Now, maybe you're interested in, you know, creating or training your own blood tracking dog. This week, you can learn how. Susan's going to give us the sort of general step-by-step process that she uses the trainer dog to track. Uh, you know, as someone who has trained dogs, I have bird dogs, uh, I've grown up with dogs, we've always trained our dogs, you know, some of these steps make perfect sense. These are the things you would do if you want to teach your dog to do a specific task like tracking, uh, you know, a blood trail or a blood trail that's, you know, now non-existent. Uh, Some of them, though, really don't make sense on the surface, but then she explains her reasoning and then it makes sense, right? And if you've ever trained dogs, you understand that aspect of training. Uh, sometimes you're you're trying to uh, sort of limit a future problem that might occur that you know tends to sort of show. Uh, sometimes it's to correct a, a problem that has sprung up that you didn't really expect to to happen. So let's just get right into it. Uh, here's the conversation with Susan about how she trains her her blood tracking dogs. Welcome back, everyone, to a exciting episode that we're going to have. Uh, we have a nice returning guest that I thoroughly enjoyed having her on the first time, talking about blood tracking dogs and what we can do as hunters to make sure that we're not uh, basically messing it up for her so her dogs can do her job. Uh, Susan, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Hey, it's so nice to see you again. Uh, Spend time with you. Yes. You know, it's been too long. Um, I'm going to say, though, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. um, I'm glad we're not meeting again under different circumstances where I need your services. (laughs) I'm happy that I was able to go through uh, a season and and not have to use your services. um, That's not anything to say about your dogs or how great they are. (laughs) That's more that I'm just happy I didn't have that, you know, sleepless night of I can't find a deer that I hit. Yeah, I often will be talking to people and said don't take this wrong but i hope i never see you again <laughs> but that's fine it, it works out fine i'm happy for you so how was your hunting season with the dogs i mean did, did you the, go out on a bunch of tracks the tracking season this past tracking season was different than any we've had before we did a, a lot of calls uh, but uh, for the amount of calls that we did and i'm completely honest with you i'm not trying to make myself look good or anything um, we had a, a every season has kind of a theme, and this year we had some gut hits that we were just unable to recover. 
there's so many variables about this. And um, we had the warm season in archery, and there's no telling when these deer are going to go down. And we just happen to be in there too soon for a lot of them trying to get it before the meat spoils. So that didn't work out as well for us. But then, um, but we made some absolutely, how did you do that recoveries? And that's always nice for this season oh, yeah. and beautiful for the hunter to like, and they're like, they're phenomenal dogs. I, I love my dogs. So the season went well and um, we're done now, but you know, we'll go to do some training as soon as the weather gives us a chance to, to get with that. And I think that's what we're going to talk more about today is yeah. the training of these dogs. Yes. I mean, you know, I think the first episode was great from the aspect of, you know, letting hunters know sort of some do's and don'ts. Um, understanding how the dogs work, uh, what you know, you're looking for, what the dogs are looking for, that kind of thing. Um, but there's obviously going to be a starting point, right? Like we have to start somewhere, which is going to be, you know, getting a dog, training a dog to be able to do something like that. So for anyone that's interested in possibly be, you know, being a blood tracking dog handler and having a dog that you train to do this, this is sort of that episode for you. Uh, so the first question is, you know, like, what kind of dog should I get? Can any old dog do? I mean, what am I looking for? Well, you're going to be looking for uh, a dog that has a good nose, hopefully comes from some kind of hunting background, but not necessarily. They want to track things, so they have a good prey drive, these dogs. So we would like to have a very good prey drive because we're we're using that to our advantage. And then the last key ingredient, as far as I'm concerned in telling people is get a dog that will bond with a human. You know, some dogs, some breeds are not necessarily good for this because they are, you know, they don't want to take direction from humans. They're good for things, don't get me wrong. But for this particular endeavor, they wouldn't be their best choice. Um, you can have mixed breeds. You can go to the shelter and get a dog. You know, we've got all kinds of dogs out there in the tracking world doing their thing and making hunters happy and just wowing people. And sometimes it's just by chance. So how do you pick a dog? Well, uh, the, the way that I do this, I, I have a preference for a breed. And so I have a preference for a, a breeder. So whenever I'm ready to get a dog, I will take some deer blood, <laughs> go down and see this litter that he's got, and just set that blood on the ground and see if there's anybody wants to come on over and take a look at it, or take some raw liver with me and stuff like that to see if any dog in this particular litter has a you know notion for this. That's one of the ways that I've done it in the past. My old experienced dog was basically a gift. I didn't do any of that stuff. You know, I had tons of stuff going on in my life, and this was the dog. I pick up the females of the litter. There's only one female in the litter. So guess who's in the other room right now is that dog. And she is absolutely one of the top tracking dogs around. So uh, you can overthink it for sure. Um, if you get a vibe from this dog, you know, I think this might be okay. You can do tests if you want to, but you don't have to and um, see how it works out. You know, a lady up in, I think she lives in Vermont, we met at a track fest and her dog was not doing so well. And so one of the other judges or whatever sent her over to me to talk to me. He said, yeah, I think you guys could connect very well. And I, so I asked her a simple question. Do you love tracking or do you love the dog? The dog wasn't doing very good in this endeavor, although the dog is very good at other things. She says, well, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to think about that. She, she loves her dog. Mm -hmm. So that particular dog, she doesn't track with that dog. She does other things with that dog. So it's fine, you know. Um, it's not an easy choice sometimes, but, you know, everybody goes through it, you know. So. Yeah, the idea of taking, um, you know, blood or piece of raw liver to see like oh is what is there a, a certain puppy that seems more interested in it than you know other ones uh reminds me of the story my dad tells of the first Brittany that we ever got um they went to the breeder no 
it wasn't any fancy, you know, hunt trial or hunt test breeder or anything like that. Just guy had Britneys. My dad wanted a Britney. And uh, they're, you know, looking at the puppies and looking at all the different ones, trying to figure out which one they think they want. And all of a sudden, one of the puppies pointed at a butterfly on the fence. And he was like, that's the one I want. It, It's already pointing, you know, um, where the other puppies are running around playing with each other. And he's like, that's the one I want. And, you know, it's just... Like I said, it, part of it too is that sort of vibe. You know, the, you want a dog that you can sort of connect with. You don't want to, you know, be pulling a, you know, a puppy out of the corner that doesn't want anything to do with you or seem scared of you. You know, because like you said, mm-hmm. you want that. The, yes, the dog needs to have that, um, that prey drive, a good nose, right? Like we want all that good stuff, but the dog still needs to work for you, right? Yeah, and, and especially in Pennsylvania, being as you mentioned, on leash. It's before. on leash here. It's on leash here. So, um, you know, we need that dog to, to work for us because yeah. you know, if it's working for itself or, you know, with a pack mentality, that's not going to really help anybody. It, it doesn't. Uh, but sometimes I'll just, with my younger dog, I just sat down with the dogs from that particular litter and she came over to me. You know, she was interested in me. And my first tracking dog, that's how I chose her. And actually she was a shelter dog. She's still um, the same breed, background, beagles. I use beagles. But um, she came over to me. The other dogs in that crate could care less if I was there. But she was interested in why I was there. So I, I chose her. And, yeah, she was – I'm getting chills talking about her. She's no <laughs> longer with us. Um, a darn good tracking dog she was. So, you know, you just have to – Go with your gut, I guess, is to tell you to pick a dog. But uh, And then you can always test the prey drive. And you can always increase their prey drive a little bit by playing games with them. So you get your prospect. And I want to make sure people know it does not necessarily have to be a puppy. My first dog was six years old when I started training her to do this. I knew she already had could track me around the farm. <laughs> so I knew she had the talent. But it doesn't have to be a puppy either. You know, you can get a dog that's, you know, already a dog and and just teach them this is the scent you're going to be rewarded for and go with that. There's, this, I'm not the only person that that's mm-hmm. happened to either. So just know what you're getting into mm-hmm. up front, the time that's going to be involved in this. It's not a, you have to love it. You have to love the game of hide and seek. Okay, that, that's a good way to put it. That's a good. So let let's sort of jump ahead. Let's say you pick the puppy, or you got a dog, you decide like, uh, you know, I want to do this. Um, where do you start? You mentioned you got to love hide and seek, so you got to know what you're getting into. I mean, what's where? Well, are we starting where you that? start is uh, first. You should actually know kind of what you want to be doing before you get the dog. But uh, if you have the dog already. You need to get some training materials. If you want the dog to track wounded deer, well, deer blood is really the best thing to use, in my opinion. And, of course, all of this is going to be in my opinion. Um, you have to have some training materials. So the season before, the hunting season before, if you have a bunch of pals or family members or whatever hunting, you want to collect as much blood as you can off of those harvests and put it in your freezer. The blood, the liver... Uh, some pieces of hide, uh, legs are good. If you, depending on the dog, if the dogs like to chew on bones, you want to leave a leg there because that's a hard toy and they like hard toys as opposed to a piece of hide, which is soft, but uh, that's going into more detail. But um, so you need some stuff uh, to, to work with. Uh, I don't think there's anything better than the real thing. There are commercial things available. You just heard my opinion on nothing could be better than the real thing. But mm-hmm. I know if you don't have that, what do you do? Well, you, you've got to compensate. So you get your training materials that you want the dogs to follow. You're going to have to come up with some kind of gear for the dog. Uh, most Because when they're on leash, this now this is going to all be referring to on leash because mm-hmm. I don't train off leash. You know, I don't, my state is on leash. And I like that because I get to... In, be right there with the adventure the whole time so I don't mind it talk to me on a day when I've gone up and down (laughs) elevations but I would probably tell you something different but so the gear you use on your dog you want to have that 
maybe different selections is what you're going to try to a wider collar because the dogs will maybe pull a little bit and you don't want to injure your dog there are also tracking collars out there most people use harnesses on their dogs and a harness if you don't know the dog's gonna pull right so the regular little h harnesses that you see at walmart or whatever you know that's maybe not the best choice you might want to go with a y harness that doesn't impede the dog and doesn't rub underneath their um, arms or anything like that so get something that fits your dog for the age they are i've had to go through a couple different harnesses from puppies on up to adults and then you need a line for an on-leash state you need a line and this is one of the things that some people get into problems with a long enough line leash to hook onto that harness or collar okay uh, the minimum i actually think i might could probably use something that's a little bit longer sometimes but i use a 30 foot line okay on these some of them times i wish i had 40 to be able they have room to move and maneuver without having to drag me but the type of line I use static mountain climbing rope is what I use okay. on my dogs because it doesn't pick up burrs. Mm -hmm. It's smooth. It's coated, but it's not, you know, bad. It doesn't tangle difficultly. It comes in different diameters. And I know, um, and this is all personal preference for me. I was actually told you might want to go with something a little lighter, but I couldn't grab onto something lighter because mm -hmm. my hands, I want something that I can, if I need to stop that dog, that's not going to zip right through my hand. Mm -hmm. So uh, find something that you can work with that doesn't tangle, doesn't get mangled, easy to clean, blah, blah, blah. But the length of it is very important. And you can use this right off the bat. Okay, I've got a puppy six weeks old. No, not, not six weeks old, but if it was my own dog, I would be out there six weeks old doing this with the dog. <laughs> you get your puppy seven, eight weeks, whatever. And people, I don't need that because the dog can't get away with me. Well... Don't use a four-foot leash on them because you, when you have the slightest little bit of interference from the handler and the dog is not allowed to maneuver how they wish, the dog sees that as, what did I do? Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the length of the leash is important. And I really don't care for leashes that have a loop on the end of them, like a standard walk-your-dog leash, because... Sometimes the dogs are on leash, but sometimes I have to drop that line in order to maneuver through the woods or whatever's going on. So the dog drags that a bit and I pick it up, but that can get caught on stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we have the same situation I just described as the dog being uh, stopped and pulled unnecessarily and doesn't understand, oh, I'm, I'm, I thought I was doing the right thing. Why are you? Why are you? But it's not you. It's the the right. loop getting tangled right so leashes lines length no loops great other than that personal preference is fine so you've got your stuff for your dog your gear then you go out and you st start to have some fun now okay well okay so what what is that fun what what is fun for you oh man the fun <laughs> for me is i i'll put out just starting out, it's going to be a straight line. It's going to be a liver drag. So I will get some cheesecloth and throw some raw liver, deer liver in there and tie it up and just drag it along the ground, you know, with a string or whatever. And I just let it come along the ground. A lot of contact with the ground. And it's a straight path, oh, maybe 30 yards, if that. And I'll leave the liver there at the end. Okay. This is how I start my dogs. I take it out of the cheesecloth, obviously, but uh, leave it there. I immediately will come into the house, get the dog, put their gear on, and bring them out to the start. And I'll basically, at that point, just kind of maybe point to the ground and see what the dog does. I'm basically now just watching the dog. Will they do it? Will they not do it? And oftentimes my fingers are crossed. <laughs> I hope the heck they're going to do it. And then I let them just maneuver down the line. 
Sometimes people will put like little bits of hot dogs down the line to encourage them to go down the line, mm -hmm. finding things. Oh, this is interesting. That's great because this is a surprise for the dog. The dogs can learn very quickly from being surprised with random goodness, all right? So I just watch the dog, but the dog is connected. And the dog should be just moseying along and go. Some people will do this depending on the age of the dog off leash. I always start mine on leash because that's how we do it in mm -hmm. the state that I live in. So you could do either way. If you're not, don't think the dog's going to go away from you, I guess you could just mm -hmm. watch them. But you see me say I've t numerous times now, watch them mm -hmm. do it. When they get to the end of the line, and they most often do, you're praising them, you're petting them, you know, they've gotten their food reward, make sure you don't give them too much of that stuff, or now switch the raw liver with some freeze-dried liver if you're afraid of the dog being getting sick or whatever. But great, wonderful, fun times, okay? I didn't try to trick the dog at all. Now that I know the dog will do it, I'm going to try to trick him after that. Okay, so, I mean, are you just doing it one time? Uh, with that sort of straight 30-yard yep, roughly one time. Drag, that's it? Yep, okay. that day, one time that day, that's it, okay. boom, done. You can do whatever else you want. I don't care, go out and play in the yard. You know, we do it one time. Okay, and that's the, it. <clears throat> are you going to do that same, not necessarily the same exact drag, but like similar straight line, short distance over multiple days? Or? Well, depending on how the dog did the first time. Okay. Their enthusiasm, you know, nose to the ground. It, you always gauge on how the dog did that one. And then you're going to make, start to make your plans. And my plans are always in my head. I know many people say, why don't you write your stuff down? I do not. It would be better if you wrote it down. Don't get me wrong. You certainly would, should keep a log of what you did. So depending on how that dog did the first line. Now this is taking for granted that I am also working on obedience at the same time. Right, that yeah. the dog will sit, the dog will stay, wait, whatever word you use, you know, the dog will come to you. Recall is extremely important in this endeavor, that the dog has a very strong recall, that that dog will stop what it's doing and come to you when it is called. So you, you're always working on that outside of this. So I would maybe do that. And then maybe three or four days later, I will go out to a different part of the yard, not the same place. That's very important. You can't okay. keep using the same place the same way because the dogs are smart and you want them to be <laughs> smart. So I go to a different place, maybe different vegetation. We'll see, depending on how the dog did. And I may put out a longer line. I may put out 15 yards, turn 15 yards. It all depends on how the dog did. If they okay. if they burned that first line, right. okay, now you're going to get a turn. And it's not not necessarily 90 degrees, but it's going to, you know, I want to see will the dog whoop, make that turn. Right, right. And how quickly will the dog make that turn? So if it's a 90 degree turn, boy, I just love it when they're, they're beating feet down that line and all of a sudden the whole body, whoop, you know, <laughs> makes that right angle turn. Then you know what the dog's telling you. And you have should have these marked. You know, you shouldn't go out there and start doing things that aren't marked. You know, mark it some way that you know where it is. Uh, sometimes these little flags that sometimes you see, um, that's okay to begin with. But if you've got a smart dog, guess what? <laughs> they know what that Follow flag the flag, <laughs> you know. So a piece of gear for the handler. I'm old school. I, I like the handheld GPS. Some phones you can get some, like Onyx, you can mm -hmm. track yourself on. But I don't like to use my phone because I'm old school. I want something that's different than my phone. And I know where the line is. So I know exactly where we should be going. It is important, very important, that it is marked. That the handler initially knows exactly where the line goes. Mm -hmm and that the dog is doing that. So let's say I took this out, did a left-hand turn, and the dog went straight, just blew past right past the turn. So when I'm looking at this, watching the dog, 
I need to know how fast they went past the turn. Did they at least turn their head? Did they, you know, did they notice it and then just decide to go forward or were they just running forward because that's the way the last line went? Mm -hmm. So I need to get this information from the dog. Mm -hmm. And then, in my opinion, I need to let that dog make the mistake and see how far will they go till they decide what happened to that. You know, young puppy distractibility out the wazoo, you know. <laughs> you may have to let them make the mistake, pick the, physically pick the dog up, bring it back, but don't bring it right to the turn. To bring it to the line before the turn. Ask them again to do it. You might have to encourage them with a little reward of some kind and then see where they'll go and how they do it. Uh, hopefully they'll now make the turn to get to the reward. So when you start these turns straight and then a short turn you know so maybe from the straight line the dog could actually smell the reward over there mm -hmm. to get them to turn their body but once they understand you know i just follow it where it goes mm -hmm. oh then then you start to do different things yeah, like even with the like that turn you're if the dog misses the turn right where it is but stops to like realize something's not right like that's a good sign yes it means they're trying to figure out yes the smell's not there anymore and i mean hopefully it would then sort of come back yes to, re to get back on it yes and go. i mean that's <laughs> a little more advanced uh, you know, well it, but... it is and if you have a dog right off the bat especially if you've got an older dog you know that's knows about things mm -hmm. it's different than training a puppy that dog may go past the turn and then turn their head as a handler i'm just standing there let the dog make the mistake standing there. Will the dog self-correct? And if they do, great. You praise mm -hmm. them when they self-correct. When you don't have to do anything, you've seen the mistake happen, and yet they figured it out, they come back. That's great. And that's what you want to have happen. That's the problem solving that a tracking dog needs to have. Because sometimes, you know, when you get out there in the environment, there's all different reasons why the scent is doing what it's doing. And the dogs will sometimes blow past the turn. And yet, whoa, well, that's so, that doesn't mean they didn't smell it going down this way, mm -hmm. but no, it's clearly coming from over there. You know, you could have drift. So letting the dog figure out what it is you want them to do and let them do it in their way. You know, that's where the, the handler, the human part of this equation You've got to learn to work with the dog's style sometimes. The dog needs to learn to work with your style sometimes. Um, most of that, the dog's going too fast. You know, mm -hmm. the handlers can't keep up to the dog. Right. <laughs> well, how do I slow this dog down? Well, did you not, maybe not pick the breed that shouldn't go that fast? Right. <laughs> but um, that's one of the reasons why I picked what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, beagles are fast, but on leash, they're not quite as fast. You know, they're particular sometimes, but... Um, so once you get the dog understanding what it is you, the scent they're being rewarded for, now you can start to have games and challenges. And most of the stuff is described in John Genaday's book. Um, what, I'm tracking dogs for finding wounded deer. Uh, most of this is described in there as a guide to help you along with these endeavors. It's just how I learned to do it. And then I'd start to make my own things. So that very first line, I immediately came in and got the dog. Mm -hmm. If I do a straight line again, it's going to be aged. Half hour, hour, two hours, what okay. have you. And then let's see what the dog would do now. You know, this is going to be a more challenging with, to the with dog. The thought process being the longer that line sits there, the less scent is going to be available. Well... Or does the scent change to the dog? Or, I mean, how... It, can and it can't um your the handler's knowledge of what holds scent and what doesn't okay you know certain vegetation if it's damp vegetation is going to hold that scent a little bit better a little bit higher maybe six inches high as opposed to your lawn those mm -hmm. are very well manicured putting green you know uh, that's not going to hold the scent as well it, the wind will just right off with right. it so when you age a line the scent starts to dissipate mm -hmm depending on what's there to hold it to okay. the ground, what's there to hold it. If there's moisture, it's going to stay better. 
but still it's not as fresh as just putting it out gotcha. okay and that's one of my tracking dogs now <laughs> uh, my husband might be coming home so it might get louder so um, so I'll take the dog out there two hours later this is what I as a handler I expect to see the dog follow the line number one but slower maybe a little more meticulous in following that line this is how you develop that cold nose okay it's a whole different ball game than the hunting dogs that the scent is right there that rabbit is right there mm-hmm. you know it's only it's only been minutes since that thing was here right you know can my dog follow a line the blood that's been out there for 48 hours if if need be mm-hmm. and some people well why do you need that well you know sometimes i can't get there right and as some of these gut shots especially in deer you need to let them be alone you know be out there for 12 hours or whatever till they expire because mm-hmm. they're not going to be dead right so you do need a colder nosed dog and this is how you develop that gotcha. you age that line okay. but um so aging is one challenge turns is a different challenge the type of thing they're using to put the line down with. If my dogs do pretty good with those liver drags, it's very soon I'm moving to blood. Okay. Drops of blood. How much blood? Well, initially eight, eight ounces or 10 ounces, you know, over the distance or whatever. Those bigger drops. Mm-hmm. Then I start to make a smaller hole in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Smaller drops, longer distance, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they have really good noses, so they have no trouble picking that up. So those are all the kinds of challenges you're going to start to present to your dog. But, and that's why the planning comes in. You know, right. when you put a line out, you should have a plan. This is what I hope to accomplish in this dog. Sometimes reviewing things they have already accomplished mm-hmm. and then introducing others. When you introduce a new challenge that the dog has never seen before, never done before, it should be just one challenge. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a line, okay, I've got a list of things a dog hasn't done. Water crossing, gravel road, you know, uh, different terrain challenges. I'm not gonna throw five of them in there on the line. You're asking a bit much, mm-hmm. you know. So it does take time planning to develop a cold nosed um, tracking dog that will work with you. And to follow where it goes. All right. One of the things that, what happens when the dog makes a mistake, I said earlier about the letting, let the dog make the mistake mm-hmm. within reason. Okay. I'm not right. going to let the dog go 70, 800 yards away from, <laughs> no, I'm not going to let the dog do that before I bring the dog back. But I want to give them an opportunity to correct. So when I know the dog has made a mistake, I'm going to ask the dog, you know, is that right? Are you sure? You still on the same, you know, whatever you want to say to the dog. It's a Mm -hmm. question and you need to, like I'm saying it now, is that right? You know, it's not a cue. It's not a command. It's not anything like that. It's a question to the dog. And I know the dogs hear me all the time. So when the dog is off the line, my two dogs, this is just an example of what could happen. Both of my dogs, if I ask them that question and I know they're off the line, they immediately pick up their head and kind of like, oops, sorry, I kind of messed that up. Doesn't happen very often now, but it can. So, great. All right, let's go back. And I just start walking. Matter of fact, when they, they'll turn around and come back now. Mm-hmm. They're very experienced dogs. In the beginning, it was, okay, let's go back. And I'm telling them, we're going to go back and restart. And I'm telling them this. And I, if it involved a turn, I always start before, go back to before the turn. So the dog has the opportunity to, miss, to not miss the turn, to do the turn. Once the dog understands that I'm going to ask them, are <laughs> you on the line? Now... What a lot of handlers don't do, they do that, but they never ask that question when they know the dog is on the line. They don't question the dog when the dog is on the line. So that's a problem sometimes. 
Because in an unknown, mm-hmm. real world scenario, you better know what your dog's trying to tell you. We, we talked earlier about the handler being able to read the dog. Mm-hmm. So when I ask this question in training, and I always want to do this in training, in control and situations, and I ask the dog, and I know for sure we're on the line. Got my handheld GPS. I'm old school. If I ask my dogs that now in training, neither one of them even stops to look at me. <laughs> They're like, what are you even asking me the question? And I know they heard me. They cannot not hear me. Mm-hmm. Or they're pretty much ignoring me. You know, the first time I asked them when they were younger, they looked at me and like went right back to what they were doing. Well, that's their answer then. Now the answer is, ignore the handler. She's stupid. <laughs> you know, she doesn't know what we're doing, but we're doing the right thing here. And it can come in very handy when you're out there on an unknown and you as a handler thinking, well, you know, we're going pretty far or this is odd or whatever. You ask the dog. What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. And then if you know what to expect on the different answers, you'll see the answer from the dog. I don't know anything. The dog knows everything about this line, especially an unloan. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be a human thinking, I know everything. You know, it's just kind of a shot. I know how far they should go, blah, 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 blah. I got the news to tell you, you know nothing. (laughs) You know nothing compared to that little nose on the end of that Mm -hmm. string. So... That's one of the tips I would tell you and the people that come here. I said, have you ever asked the dog while they're on the line? Well, no. Why would I do that? Because you got to learn to understand what the dog is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. And um, have they changed a target on you? But you didn't know <laughs> that they changed the target. <laughs> okay. That can happen if you haven't, you know, gone through this scenario with your dog. And actually that's in John's book as well, you know, okay. asking the dog about it. So that's one of the things that a more experienced handler is going to, to do. So the challenges, uh, the great grand of uh, game of hide and seek, you know, I think of all kinds of different things, different Lengths of line, those can be challenging for the dogs too. You want to develop a dog that will not quit unless you say we're done. Okay. Okay. Um, They'll definitely tell you, you know, you get to know your dog. Most dogs do know whether this is a fatal shot or not. Mm. And they will tell you that. But, you know, they tell me that 200 yards from the start of this unknown... The hunter's going to think I'm nuts. Right. So right. both of my dogs now, I will, I already know, and I'll, they'll look at me or they'll give me the heads up and I'll say, well, let's keep going. So they'll continue to track until I say no. Then that's also on the flip side. It's good because when you get these longer lines, and I'm talking unknowns that travel a mile. Okay. We had the longest recovery to date with one of my dogs for us at two and three quarters miles this past season. That's, that's a long And it was a twisty, turny, go back on itself, you know, turkey disruption. It was a challenge in itself. Not that it was a straight line to right. three quarters miles. It that, that deer was just, you know, he didn't know he was dead. He just kept doing his mm-hmm. thing. So... You have to have a dog that's not going to quit when the going gets a little tough. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when you're training the dog. You got to mix up your distances. If my dog is good at 30 yards, you know, and I'm starting to lengthen the lines. Because some of the tests that the UBT administers, um, some of them are 800 yards. Some of them are 1,000 yards. So... Um, many deer hit uh, in a vital in the chest cavity go two three hundred yards some of these gut hits will go eight hundred thousand yards mile two miles whatever if you're always keeping the distance the same the dog knows that Mm -hmm. so that's very important when you start out with this that you vary these distances the distance I'm going to remind people is only one of the challenges don't think it's the only challenge 
because I could put a, a line out here. Um, I'm pointing out the window because I live on a farm. I could put a line out here in the pasture on a day, let's say it's going to be 50 yards, when it's nice and moist and very easy, and I don't age it, and I come out here and I put this out 50 yards, but it's different variables, okay, it's still only 50 yards. Mm -hmm. The dogs aren't stupid, okay? And then definitely if I put it in the exact same place, exact same turn, exact same, exact same everything, you know, um, you'll have a line out there then you say, okay, let's go 700 yards. The dog just quits at 500 because that's what you've been doing. Right. The last three lines right. were 500 yards, okay? Even if you vary it by 20, 30 yards, Okay, I'm not always trying to hit that mark. Uh, that's one thing you have to watch. That's why planning is good. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have Google, I use Google Earth all the time to try to get an approximate as to how far this line would be mm -hmm. if I did this. Right. And um, it never works out that way because the Google Earth doesn't show you right. what kind of yeah. crap right. you're going to be going right. through. You know, what kind but, of... But you're, so basically, you're trying not to condition the dog to only go so far. True. You're trying to surprise them you with are. the distance when they get that reward. Mm -hmm. They've all said, oh, here it is. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's 100 yards. Sometimes it's 1,000. Yeah. You know, everywhere in between. Uh, do you, when you're putting these lines out, is there a concern about your scent being with that line? Like, do you have other people do the line for you? So, like, the dog's not tracking you as I'm doing air quotes? Yeah. No, that's always a thing. Um, I wear rubber boots just because I don't like to get my feet wet. Uh, when the dog gets, especially when you're starting to age these more, okay, the human scent dissipates a lot faster than this red blood smell mm -hmm. is going to dissipate. So I'm not concerned with that. Um, my husband used to always think the dogs were tracking me, and I'm like, I don't think they are. But if you're concerned with that, you wear rubber Um Keep your scent down. It's not like you're going hunting that you have to have no scent on you. Because like I just said, the human scent dissipates faster than the red blood cells right. in that blood or the liver line um, is going to dissipate. And then when you start to go on unknowns, um, the real thing out there, you know, uh, you're going to find that there's no way that dog was ever tracking you. <laughs> <laughs> We've sort of touched on like some problems that can arise, right, with training. But I mean, what are some common problems you see from other trainers that like that talk to you or problems that they're having with their dogs? Is is there anything that like stands out that you're like this seems to happen semi-common? Well, one of the things that happens, um, I think, more often than not, is not having a decent obedience with the dog. Okay. The second thing is um, burning the dog out. You asked me before, you know, now how many times a day would you do that? Right. Well, I think you were quite surprised. Well, that's it for the day. Yeah, I mean. No, no, no more. You know, no, we're not doing it anymore. Like, I mean, it's been, <laughs> you know. I, I say this to someone that, you know, has, has bird dogs, you know, trained my dogs, work with my dogs, um, you know, but it's been 10 years since I had a puppy. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I remember when I had a puppy, even working obedience training, um, you know, maybe twice a day, it, like an official session, maybe most of the time it was once a day. Um, it did, it did surprise me a little bit as far as, you know, only doing it one time. Um, you know, because I think, you know, like for, you know, gun training my dog, um, you know, we would do that two or three times. You know, not just one line one time. You mm -hmm. know, I was thinking we might do two or three lines, you know, throughout the day, not, you know, all at once. Um, so that, that a little bit surprising, but I understand the, the sort of burnout aspect of it. Um, and then even like the, the aspect of, you know, if you're going to do this training, you, know, you, you want to make sure the dog's ready to do the training and is in tune yeah. to do it, right? Because mm -hmm. dogs are just like people. Sometimes they don't feel like sometimes they're distracted by something else. Yep. Um you know, that's not going to give you the results that you want. You know, it's just going to make you frustrated because the dog's not doing what you think it should be able to do. Um, but it's because it's distracted or, yeah. you know, because it's it's hungry or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Yeah, so you do have to do some planning with that. You know, if you can put this, the line out when the scenting conditions are 
favorable to the dog and not make it excessively hard on the dog. They understand that. They learn. You know, it, it's the dogs use their nose like almost from the moment they're born. Mm-hmm. So it's not something they're not unaccustomed to doing. You're just teaching them this is the s- smell I want you to follow and show me what you see along the way or what you, you know, understand along the way. So it needs to be in the beginning a very special thing, special time with the handler. And I neglected to say I do use special treats for this training. I These treats are things my dogs don't get any other time. I don't use them for obedience training. You know, they get different stuff for that. But this, is, I use um, free dry, freeze-dried deer liver as a reward at the end of these lines. I used to use raw liver, but... And the freeze-dried is a little bit easier that I don't have to worry about it spoiling or whatever. So they don't, and I make sure they don't get that. They they love it. That or freeze-dried heart, they love that. They don't get it. Any, you gotta, you got to track. you got to find it mm-hmm. because it's that special. And it's the same thing with doing it two, three times a week, you know, I have never felt the need to do that. Of course, I'm not in any hurry. This is some. This is something that's more like a marathon, not a sprint. I I wouldn't not expect. I'd be thrilled. You know, like if I got a puppy this spring, I would be thrilled if that dog would be able to go out and maybe find a deer this fall. Would I ever expect that to happen? No, because I know that this takes time. And you've got to give the dog time to let it learn from its experiences. I don't need to increase the experiences. I just need to have a well-planned out experience mm-hmm. that, you know, it. the deer sometimes goes left, the deer sometimes goes right. The deer sometimes might make a figure eight loop. Do I have to do the whole loop? No, I can just go out the exit. And those kinds of things. You have to give the dog an opportunity to learn because this is a little different. Um, it's not a, it's a partnership. It's not a command, do it. The dog needs to be motivated to do it. And if you sometimes get frustrated if the dog makes a mistake or, you know, and then I got to, oh, we got to do that again because they, they didn't get it right. You put a lot of pressure on the dog. Yeah, and it, I like how you mentioned the figure eight you don't you're not trying to train this dog to follow the path exactly you just need the dog to get to the end point where it's supposed to be so it just needs to be (laughs) on the line enough that it well you know uh yes and no it's interesting that you know i want i want the end result that's what Mm -hmm. i want okay now in the world um tracking tracking means tracking following the footprints of that animal that's mm-hmm. tracking trailing I te- technically my dogs are trailing dogs because okay. of the way that I allow them to find the target mm-hmm. and I do allow them to use every tool they have to find that target because that's my goal that's mm-hmm. their goal but um, let's say I put a figure eight out there if this was a tracking there's the air quotes if this was a tracking dog I would expect that dog to follow that figure eight to make the figure Mm -hmm. the entire figure not to vary from that figure okay um anytime personally me as a handler and i can see other handlers like exploding right now but um anytime my dog can use another tool such as winding to find the target great but here's where the partnership comes in that the human handler has to understand where I live right here, the winds are very variable. Mm-hmm. They hardly ever blow consistently. Like, we don't live in the plains, you know. So I have to mark where that dog started to wind. Did they find the target? Can they pick up the line? Or is, is it the target they're smelling? Is it the line they're smelling over mm-hmm. there? This is where, you know, when you're doing your planning of those training lines, yeah, into the wind not into the wind, mm-hmm. cross winds, right. all of those things are other challenges that you put into these lines on purpose 
and you have to watch the dog. How is this dog going to solve this puzzle? I do allow my dogs to win, but my job as a handler is to know when they start to win. Can they complete it? Can they not complete it? <clears throat> because if they can't do it, I have to have a spot to bring them back to. Mm -hmm. Where they were tracking it on the ground. Right. Where they, right. I knew they knew it was on the ground. And that all this stuff is done in controlled situations. So when I get out there on an unknown, on a windy day, do I expect my dog to win? I sure as heck do. Mm -hmm. I better be paying attention. You know, actually, the, the higher the winds are, the less my dogs actually win. They track more on the ground. There's those little wafts that are coming down the corn rows or whatever that sometimes they'll pick up on that. But I need to know what my dog's doing. I need to watch them. So, um, yeah, find the target. Yeah, I put. A, I try to trick them all the time with these figure eights and such backtracks, <laughs> things mm -hmm. like that. That's more ex advanced, you know, st techniques. The dog's got to be able to figure this out. They they just go right to the exit. They're they're smart. And I think some of that is because I let them make mistakes. I let them solve the problem in their own manner. And not every dog. And these two dogs are different in the way they solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Ruby loves to wind. Roxy will use the wind, but she loves to track. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know your dog. Um, but I, it, it's an adventure, and it's a. It's meant to be a life-long adventure for the dog. Mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, there's no amount of money in this world you could give me for either one of those dogs. You know they're. Do I love the dog or do I love tracking? I love them both. Right. But if my dog has to be retired, it has to be retired. Or if something would happen to my dog, can't do it anymore, I still keep the dog. Right. Uh, and then I go get another one that maybe start to train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> with my bird dogs, you know, I mean, I, I love the dogs. I love the activity of hunting. I think more than anything, you know, I've hunt, I've pheasant hunted. Uh, and grouse hunted over other people's dogs. And I've enjoyed it, but I enjoy it so much more when it's my dog because I think the thing that I really love is since I love the dog so much, I love to put them in a situation that they love. And they love finding these birds. Mm -hmm. So if I'm able to put them in that situation, then that makes me feel even better about it. So I like it, you know, I like that experience more than hunting over someone else's dog you know um mm -hmm. and neil if you're listening to this thank you for letting us hunt over your dogs in north dakota but um there's just something special about watching mm -hmm. your dog do something it loves to do and doing it well and being successful at it so i i fully get that um you know you mentioned the idea of you know do you love the dog or do you love to track right because that dog's going to pull a little bit off of you too right like if you're not just because your dog's good at, at, at tracking or, or shows promise, if you're not into the activity, your dog's sort of going to pull oh, a little bit of that too, man. right? You really, this is really important. Um, I don't know if you can pick it up from the tone of my voice or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I love to train. I love to spend time with my dogs. I love to see them work out the problems like you were talking before. It's so different. But when we go back to what I, what's that third ingredient you need in these tracking dogs? You need that bond with the handler, that dog to handler bond. And I'm starting to call it the bond of trust. That dog trusts me, I trust them. And when you're having fun and you don't see training as a chore, even though my dogs have found oodles of deer and some bears, even though I know they can do it, do they still enjoy training? They do. And I can say that not every handler can say that and it be truthful. They enjoy training. Why? They get to spend time with me mm -hmm. and I enjoy training. Because this is an on-leash state, everything that I'm feeling, everything that I the emotions that are running through me as we're out here training or on an unknown track, they're going right down that leash to the dog because we are connected. It's, it's a little different, you know, when you have that space and you're not physically connected to mm -hmm. the dog. And I can see it when I'm, you know, when I get a little frustrated because it's 
it's hot. You know, I don't enjoy being <laughs> sweating and all those things. And I'm like, oh, they pick that up right away. You know, that, you know that my handler's not enjoying this so much. You know, I don't know what's going on. They think it's them, obviously, mm-hmm. all the time. But it isn't them. It's, it's my with the heat and stuff like that. So that's where you need to plan better. But um, it's so different. And I have seen that in other handlers trying to get these dogs because it's not that the dog isn't doing the job the handler gets frustrated because the dog's either not doing it fast enough for them or the dog's not doing it the way they wanted it to be done that they don't understand what the dog's trying to tell them they don't know if the dog's on the line the handler's getting frustrated and yet the dog is doing a fantastic job and then pretty soon nope the dog shuts down you know the handler's not paying attention to what the dog's trying to tell them i see this a lot and a lot of times it's here's the thing whenever i put a training line out and i'm very blessed to be able to do this my kids are all grown you know i don't have a job that i get paid for and so i have a lot of time i have a lot of things i do don't get me wrong i'm not lazy but um i don't put time constraints on my lines on my training lines or on my unknown lines when I go out to track for the public or whatever. I try desperately not to do that because that puts pressure on me. We've got to get it done. We've got to get it done now. Mm-hmm. No. Um, like you said before, the dog may need time to warm up to this and you know the scenting conditions may be this and as we move along they may be that, which makes it more difficult as we go along or easier as we go along everything's changing in this world so um, you know I need to enjoy thoroughly enjoy this with my dogs to have a good outcome let's put it that way I want to have a good outcome and finding the target is not always a good outcome I mean mean, it's the best outcome but the fact that my dogs to date have never refused to track Mm. have outright refused to track uh, they have never done that. Um, I've had a dog get injured on a track that I had to physically remove from the track because she wanted to continue. I said, no, you can't do that. She hurt her, her pad on her mm. foot, and I, she's, she's going on three legs. You know, I'm like, we, no, we can't do that. <laughs> um, but I have never had a dog refuse to track in training or on an unknown. So they like to do it and I like to do it too so it's not all about the food reward although right. they love that yeah. of course um, <laughs> it, it's it's about the experience right yes for, for both you and and for the dog and, and you know that combination together the adventures and yeah. particularly my beagles you know they they like to use their noses more than anything and I'm giving them a chance to use their nose and mm-hmm. get fantastic rewards and and have some fun with me and you know they like that so so for people out there um, either that want to get in the training or you know training these dogs um, or they need a blood tracking dog once the season opens up again in the fall wh- where where can they contact you or other blood trackers in Pennsylvania where's that spot that, that they could sort of find well if you go on the web the internet uh, and you go to the United Blood Trackers website it is uh, www.unitedbloodtrackers.org. It's .org. Um, they have, there's the Find a Tracker map on there that you definitely would use during the season. But you can also find out who's in your area that has these dogs. And some of us who have been doing this for quite some time, where I'm actually on the mentor list for the United Blood Trackers, but that's not accessible from the website. But you can still find out who's around who belongs to this organization, who has a dog, who has a trained dog, and maybe spend some time with them. And it's nice and you can do blind lines for each other. As you get down, you think your dog's trained. You have your buddy put a line out on their training facility. You go over and do it. Hmm, is your dog trained as well as you thought it was? Uh, that's usually not the case. Uh, but the unitedbloodtrackers.org is a fantastic organization as far as I'm concerned. Um, we don't all train the same. We don't all do things the same. We do are all after the same outcome, which is to have a dog track a wounded animal, 
if the dog will do it, that's a successful line. Mm -hmm. If you can get past where the hunter lost the, the deer or the bear or whatever it was and get a little bit more answers for the hunter, that's a successful line. And yes, we make recoveries too. Those are really mm -hmm. great to make. But uh, truth be told, and it is the truth, that it, I don't have 100% recoveries. So far, I have 100% successful lines mm. that we have an answer. The dog did their job. Sometimes it's not the answer that we want, <laughs> but it is an answer. So, yeah, the United Blood Trackers is a, a good place to, to look for some stuff. Um, you do need to train your own dog. I, it's not something that I would recommend you send them off to be trained and then get them back and see what you can do. I wouldn't recommend that. I'm always happy to help people train their dogs. Um, I've had several people come here the past few years and spend some time. We put some lines out and have their dogs do the lines and then they watch my dog and me do the line. A different line and see you know what compares what doesn't compare not that I'm fantastic in any way but my dogs are good um, yeah one thing I neglected to mention when we were talking about gear and things mm. that you need to have unless you're doing a line in your yard in a, like a beginning line that's very very close and it's, it's very short you know really beginning stage when you take off to do a line with your dog training, unknown, whatever, please, 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 please make sure you have water mm -hmm. for you and most more importantly for the dog yeah. and a way to give it to the dog. So many times I go to events or I've had people here in training and other things like that and the handler has everything except water for the dog. And it, it may be, you know, cool out like even today, I think it's like 40, got in the 40s today. Um, my dogs were running rabbits earlier today, and they came back to me, and they, they wanted water. Mm -hmm. They wanted water. And if you can take, if a dog is having difficulty on a line, even a training line, if you take, say, oh, we're going to take a break, give the dog some water, give them a chance to refresh their mouth and their nose and all that, you can see a remarkable difference in that dog. Now when you go back to task, and they go. But if you as a handler have no water and there's no creek close mm -hmm. by and you certainly don't necessarily want to leave the line to go search for water because now you've got the dog searching for something else, mm -hmm. um, it becomes an issue. So figure out a way. I don't care how you do it. Just do it and make sure you're not going to run out of water in yeah. two and three, seven, two and three quarters miles <laughs> <laughs> trying to find this target. <laughs> Oh my God, that was a that was an adventure and a half. That one was, but yeah, well, I survived. Susan, thanks for this. This was great. Yeah. Um, everyone, check out that link. It's down in the episode details, uh, so you can take a look at it. Uh, hopefully, you don't need it to find some a tracker to assist you if you're hunting. But uh, if you're interested to uh, even just see dog some dogs work, uh, you know, definitely check out the website and. And uh, see what's down there. So, Susan, thanks. I yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, you're most that. welcome. Thanks for coming to see me again. Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
you know, when it's good people, that's always good conversation. Uh, if you want to find a blood tracking dog, uh, as she mentioned, you know, sort of having that mentor, having other people being exposed to it uh, before you decide to train your dog is always a good idea. Uh, so if you're interested in finding a blood tracking dog uh, or, and or handler, someone to mentor you, or even, you know, you're in the field and you need someone uh, to help you find a downed uh, deer or bear, head on over to unitedbloodtrackers.org. The link to that is in the episode details. Uh, if you missed the original episode that she was on, episode 59, The Benefits of Blood Tracking Dogs, uh, the link to that is in the episode notes. Uh, you can click on that, or you can just scroll back in all the episodes back to episode number 59, and you can get some good tips for what you should do prior to calling in your blood tracker and their dog. Now, don't forget if you have uh, some spare change lying around and you want to support a good cause, uh, please click the link at the bottom of the episode notes and support this podcast and uh, the nonprofit that uh, we are submitting the paperwork on here, Conserve the Wild. Uh, head on over to our Patreon page. Uh, depending on the level that you pick, you may also get some swag. So, uh, you know, help us out as we try to help conservation and conservation causes. Until next week, especially with spring being sprung, get outside, take someone with you, and stay wild.